Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a Spartan Speak. I'm Graham Couch, the Lansing State Journal, here with my colleague Chris Solari from the Detroit Free Press. No Phil friend today. There is no, uh, no friend zone happening. And um, some would say we are friendless. We are friendless. Yes, we'll have him back next week. And uh, but uh, you, you'll just have to deal with the two of us today. Uh, a lot going on in the Michigan State football and basketball world. And we'll get into all of it here. And, and um, Chris, let, let, let's really start on the, the football front. I think that's where people's heads are. And uh, there's a couple things going on. One, a game against Maryland that's, you know, I think was sort of taken for granted a couple weeks ago that now there's some concern about just given how Maryland's offense has looked at times, the fact that they haven't fallen off the face of the earth like they usually do, and that Michigan State's defense, its past defense specifically, uh, looked so vulnerable and they've got some injury issues and other things. Um, let, let, let's start there, and then we, we can do some college football playoff talk as well here. But let's – let's uh, level of concern – Yeah, I mean, the spread is 13 points. Your level of concern you think Michigan State fans should have for this game? Eight of ten, and that might even be low. Um, I think what we saw at Purdue partly was, was kind of a, a, a result of living dangerously all season with that pass defense – you know, Mel Tucker said on Monday that he doesn't like the concept of bend, don't break, because, you know, that means that you're not doing your job in some ways. And, you know, that's ultimately, though, what they've really needed to do with that secondary this season. And they've had their issues. Um, you know, they've had they've given up big games when they were healthy. And now, you, I mean, it was visible. You could see Ronald Williams uh, when he finally did come in because he didn't start the game. He didn't play much. I don't think he played at all in the first half. Um, but just, uh, Chuck Brantley, when, when he hit, took that hard fall and there was a couple plays in the first half where he was kind of grabbing at his wrist and moving his shoulder. Uh, but when he took a fall, uh, in the second half, they had to bring in Williams and you could see that both of those guys were, were visibly hurt. You know, this, I don't know where Chester Kimbrough is, um, physically, I don't know if he's injured or if he's just struggling right now because he got his hips turned 15 ways to sideways by David Bell a couple times, uh, fell down, got tripped by one of his own teammates. Uh, I think Angelo Gross tripped him, gave up some big plays. Brantley gave up some big plays. And Tagovailoa is really throwing the ball well, which is surprising to me because when they lost Dante Dimas, I thought that was the point where you would see Maryland, Maryland. Yeah, you know, and, and that was that was using Maryland as a noun and a verb, by the way. Yeah, Just, and, and also like for people who don't know, he he was their top receiver and, and yeah, a big time target. And and I think when when he went out, I, I'm with you. I thought this begins the usual Maryland four and Maryland finishes five and seven. We've seen this many many times before. 
Yeah, and they're fighting for bowl eligibility like Purdue was last week. So that's that's of concern. You know, Lowry's been hurt. Um, he, he really since the Northwestern game. So now you've got three, maybe four of your cornerbacks dinged up. Um, and there's not much depth behind them. And really the loss of Kalen Gervin in that Purdue game was significant. When he went into the transfer portal, um, Brantley kind of came on at Miami and, and took over for him. And then he didn't play much against Nebraska. And it was Williams and, you know, Williams, Brantley, Kimbrough, and then Lowry got into the mix and he enters the portal. They really needed Kalen uh, Gervin in that game. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's not much depth and definitely not much experience behind them. And I don't know what you do if so, you're a defensive coordinator at that point. Right. So it was interesting. I thought about the Tucker's press conference Monday is he did not like the bend, but don't break term as you, you brought up, but it's yeah. worked incredibly well this season. Like it, it, it's a big reason they got to eight. No, their discipline with bend, but don't break and their effectiveness. I don't like, I mean, nobody, I don't think there's a fan in the world. I remember watching the Detroit Lions as a kid play that sort of defense. And there's not a fan in the world that enjoys watching that sort of defense necessarily, but they had done it with the Miami game as well as anybody, as well as I've ever seen it. They, had, you know, really kept things in front of them, forced quarterbacks to be patient and, and then largely, uh, you know, come up with big plays when it mattered, even through the Michigan game where Michigan passed for a ton of yards late, they got some pressure and, and, and late they, they, they obviously made the big pick Tucker resented the idea of Ben, but don't break. He doesn't like the philosophy. He says it means you're not getting off the field on third downs. Exactly that's, right. That's fine. The question is what now? And, and and so I do think you do get to a point, and, and it can be certain matchups. Like the, Purdue was a bad matchup in certain ways because they don't mind taking the underneath stuff, even though they beat them big too. But they are a patient offense, and that's the, those are the teams that struggles against. But And they have a, a great weapon. You know, Maryland – Throws, I mean, that's how they win. They, that's how they compete. They throw the ball. And in their wins, they're very effective at it. And their losses, they're, they're less effective at it. And, and to me, do you come with pressure? Do you, do you risk giving up the big play uh, more often? And, and to me, if you're going to give up the big play anyway, you might as well play with a little more risk. And I think that's where maybe they'll be. And I think that's maybe the change we see. If you're, if you're going to give up the, the 93, the over-the-top, you know, shot with David Bell. If you're going to give up the 93 yard thing to Andrew Anthony, if those things are going to be vulnerable, then abandon Ben, but don't break and, and bring more pressure and, and, and live with those big plays occasionally for trying to be more disruptive, I guess. But, but here's the problem with some of that is some of those big plays have come over the middle and with linebackers in coverage. So now yeah. they vacate that area. If you bring pressure, you got to have your safeties come up. And I, I thought David Bell made them look slow. Um, even even Anthrop on that that double reverse throwback kind of kind of screen that that he ran back across the field made them look slow. So I mean that's you know that's something that that you got to keep in mind as well. You know you know this may be a game where you got to tweak some things and you know maybe you play a lot of safeties. I don't know. You know maybe maybe you have to completely rethink your your thought process on the back end. Well, I, I, I don't know how you how you overcome all this this injury. And, you know, there's rumors out there that Chuck Brantley's out for the season. But Mel Tucker isn't talking about injuries and yeah. guys that are out, even though we've seen, uh, you know, in the last 24 hours that Matt Carrick 
has his leg up and he's in, looks to be in bed at home um, and saying he'll be out, you know, he's, he'll be back in 2022. Brantley made a cryptic post similar to that on Instagram earlier this week that, you know, re, you know, loading for 2022. So, yeah. you know, that's, you know, it, until you kind of get an idea, you know, who's dressed, who's not dressed in this game, um, you know, and even that might not be a telltale sign because it's at home. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it's this is, might be the biggest challenge uh, of Scotty Hazelson's defensive coach coordinating career and Mel Tucker's career to kind of rework this. And, yeah, and it's hard to do on the fly. You know, amazingly, only because I've covered the Mac and you can, you can drink if you're playing a drinking game, my mention of the Mac at home. Uh, oh, but- wait, wait, wait. Before we do that, Michigan State on Friday plays Western Michigan. So let's get both of them out of the way. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. In, ba- in yeah. basketball. But yeah. Go on. No, uh, but. You know, I have I've covered amazingly like everybody's going, oh, I've just never seen anything like this. And I'm going, it feels familiar. And I started going through box score. And I, I've covered I covered back to back games that were this bad by a defense once in regulation. Um, and and but what I remember about that specific defense and team is it was not something that was fixable in season. Right. It, it became it became a point that it, it wasn't and it didn't begin that way you didn't look at their personnel at the beginning of the year and go this is a real problem necessarily and so it's going to be a very difficult thing to fix on the fly especially with Ohio State the following week and so what 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 this this game for me is interesting for for two reasons one you you need to play well enough to win it it's not a guaranteed win you need to play well enough because you you need to win it gets you to get you to nine wins it keeps you in conversations for everything but you also need to find some things that work that give you a little bit of confidence that even if it's delusional confidence, which is fine at this point, going into Columbus, that you've got a shot, you know? And so, like, that, I, that's the other thing. It's, it's two-pronged. One, it's trying to get through this game and figure things out that will work against Maryland. The other thing is trying to figure something out so your defense has some swagger, even if it's fool's gold, uh, you know, headed, headed into Columbus. Well, and, and you look at, at what, what Tua's brother, uh, Talia, Tag of Viola did last week against Penn State. You know, you talked about what what Maryland has done in their losses. They lost thirty one to fourteen, but he completed forty one passes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a that was a career high of forty one passes, and he has been throw. He, he threw for three hundred seventy one yards. Um, you gotta. I mean, that's that's a challenge. I mean, the injuries in the secondary couldn't have come at a worse time uh, for Michigan State because the last four games are against the top four passing teams in the conference. And I think Maryland is, I believe, second. Um, I that Purdue, I believe, was fourth. Penn State, or Penn State, maybe fourth. But that, but Penn State, you know, with Clifford's back and healthy, thrown for over three hundred the last two weeks. And then, and you, you know, this could be a very similar game plan. If if I'm Mike Loxley and, and Mel Tucker gave him a lot of credit as being a good offensive mind, he's going to look at what Purdue did see his skill set and see his quarterback right now and say, let's just do that. Let's, let's make them prove that they can stop that because that's our game plan right now. They, they don't have David Bell, which helps. But the other thing is, and the thing that I think really helps uh, Michigan State is I think their, their defense is considerably weaker than Purdue's in both the pass and, and, and the run game. But on the ground especially, which gives Michigan State the opportunity, to, what the best – help for this past defense right now is a healthy dose of Kenneth Walker. It is yeah. keeping the ball out of the hands of Maryland. And, and I'm not saying you don't want to go back, get some explosive plays. They need to find that too. If you look at what's happened since 
the Rutgers game and the number of explosive plays and, and it, it's, it's way down, but that, by the same token, this is a, and if you're scoring quickly, that's fine. As long as you're scoring, but this is a game to me where looking at the numbers and what other people rush for and the number of yards per carry against Maryland, this is an opportunity for Michigan state and for uh, Kenneth Walker to have 170, 200 yards, to have five, six yards of carry. And, but big ellipses here, but what's the status of Jared Horse? Right. Then, which, you know, I thought they ran the ball effectively with our Curry on the left side and with Jarvis on the right side last week against Purdue. Um, you know, that third quarter uh, went MIA uh, yeah. in the run game a little bit, and then Walker bust off a big one. Um, he had a big first half, too. So, so that's that's of concern. You know, Matt, Ang- Matt Allen, you know, he tweaked, he appeared to tweak an ankle early in that game and Samak was in and out with him. Um, how much that was to keep fresh because they weren't rotating the lines without care. Um, you know, that's, that's another concern. I mean, the injuries really, I mean, there's no bye week left. You know, you, you use the bye week to kind of get yourself as healthy as possible. And all these injuries are now extrapolating out with four games left. And, and sitting in, the, in number seven in the CFP rankings and still chasing a Big Ten East title with, I mean, it's still in their hands. And but this, you, you're right. You've got you to be able to run the ball right now. And I don't know. I mean, you, you mentioned about scoring fast. The best thing right now is to be able to keep the defense off the field yeah, and limit the yeah. exposure. Um, and and this, is, this hasn't been an offense that's produced sustained drives like that. It hasn't. No, this is, this is, but this is a time where I think you live with, like, to me, you, you use Tucker, or sorry, use uh, Walker a lot. And, you know, even if there's a little more, you know, if there are some drives that stall out because you ran Walker on third and three, you deal with that. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, I think you, you 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 keep it with him a lot. Now, well, this is, I mean, here's some here's some numbers that that you look at that kind of tell you where Michigan State's offense is right now. They're 27th in the country and third in the Big Ten at 34 points a game. Yeah. They're, they're 30th in, in the country and fourth in total offense at 446 yards, right? They're 125th in time of possession at 2632, yeah, yeah. last in the Big Ten. That's That speaks to the quick strike nature. That's But this isn't a game and this isn't a, a point in the season where, where you can do that. you got to be able to sustain drives when your defense is hurting like that. And you know, that's going to be a challenge. Or your other option is just throw caution to the wind, just boom, 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 and, and go fast break football. And so there are a couple ways to look at this in terms of the injuries and how it's affecting the season. Like, there was, this was, all, there was always a chance this was going to happen. I, I remember we, we had these conversations in August about the idea that their top 22 guys or whatever, their, their, their first unit might be pretty good. They might have the, the talent there to compete, but as they got into November, it could be a problem is, is, you know, you, what, what's different than what we expect is it was really a charmed two months without injuries for the most part. Yeah. And then, and instead of having them sort of happen gradually and you get to a point where you're, you're a little broken, they happen sort of all at once here. The, well, the, I'm going to argue really, that because I'm going to argue that point though, because what they had in that point of the early part of the year were injuries at positions of depth. Right, particularly right. you look back to when they had those injuries early in the season and they were at positions of strength. I mean, it was, you know, you had the defensive tackles that were a little banged up um, and, and you had a few other guys that were, that were nicked here and there, but you had other guys around them. 
this is where Mel Tucker invested a lot of his his time and work in the transfer portal is boosting that secondary and, and replenishing some of the depth. And now all those guys are injured. So that's that's kind of one of those things that that you're seeing. I mean, obviously you're without Jalen Naylor on the offensive side, but Horst was brought in on the left tackle to be a guy to, to solidify that. Now you're back to the same line that you had last year, the same guys from the line. The other thing is you can look at it from this perspective, though, too. They got lucky that it didn't happen. There are a lot of seasons where you do get more beat up early, and we've seen it. And and um, so the, the other the other element of that, and, and, and so that didn't happen this year. So even though it may be frustrating to people, you can look at it. That they were lucky to get as far as they did without this is a, is, is a significant issue. The, the other thing is it's hard to blame Tucker or the staff. Like late in the D'Antonio era, you know, there'd be injuries, and you'd say that, that's fine, but injuries happen, and you've got to recruit to a certain level, right. and your depth ought to be better. It's hard to say that about where the program is in the roster construction of Mel Tucker. It just sort of is what it is. This is this a surprising year two, and this is where they're still weak, and this is where other programs they're facing, where coaches, you know, you look at James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh, guys who have been in places, you know, seven, six years, stuff like that, eight years. Like they've got more seasoned programs. They should have more seasoned programs, and this is they've got an advantage in November, and that's that's just what it is. Yeah, I mean, you, it, you're, not everybody's going to be blessed with the roster depth of five stars like Ohio State, but you got to compete with them. Yeah. And, you know, you have to have the healthy bodies to be able to do that. I thought it was really interesting, too, that, you know, they didn't bring any other guys. They brought guys that and, and played guys that were visibly hurt in Brantley and Williams at cornerback. That tells me that there's not the depth behind it, yeah. that, that that's a problem. You know, and it not not necessarily that we didn't realize it was a problem, um, but I don't think until those guys get hurt and and you see them playing at you know 50, 60 percent capacity, uh, do you realize just how how much of a drop off there must be between the guys that they brought in versus the guys that either are still there or are too young to to kind of contribute right now? I'm talking particularly a cornerback, yeah. but also at linebacker, also at linebacker too, because you know you've obviously had the issues in pass coverage and you lost chase Klein to the transfer portal, which was another big hit to the depth that we don't really talk about. And he had been the third guy. You're basically got to roll with Halliday and crouch and, and live with the mistakes that they make or bring in Noah Harvey or try and do something completely different with the linebackers that are left. It, it, that's what I'm saying. It's a challenge for any defensive coordinator, let alone someone in their second year with, with the, the potential, uh, playoff implications that these next few games have not or and as well as not just that but your six bowl implications and and you know finishing the season a lot. as strong as possible yeah there's a lot and you know the, the other thing is this is a staff with a lot of defensive firepower brain power i should say and you know i mean mel tucker defensive coordinator harlan barnett defensive coordinator these guys you know they ought to be able to. I mean, this is a test for them, but there ought to be some collaboration too. And like, how do you how do you get through this? And what do you do to give your guys a shot? And the other thing they need to do is, and and, and they don't really have the the dynamic edge guy. I mean, Panashuk is as close as they do have, but yeah. they need to create some pressure. I mean, they really did the, the two sacks um, of O'Connell last week were misleading. He he was way too comfortable throughout the game and, 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 you know, that yeah, they've got a better the job Batman. of timely pressure this season than, 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 than last week. I thought that was a, a big problem. They the need best, to figure that out. The best pressure they got was on the touchdown pass to start the game for Purdue. Yeah. 
and they couldn't, they, they just missed on him. And, you know, those kind of plays are going to happen, but you got to be able to get home. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see a guy like Tank Brown, um, who we learned through MSU this week, they're not talking about injuries, but they'll tell you about them in their own way and their own uh, controlled environment that Tank Brown had a meniscus tear and had to go surgery. And, you know, but he's a guy that they thought could, that when they moved him to the edge during camp, could be a guy to bring that. Do you have to, do you maybe try and put him back at linebacker? Do you, do you shuffle around and maybe try and go to a three linebacker set to bring more pressure and maybe help shore up some of those things in the secondary? I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it's fascinating to me that, you know, I don't think you've seen defenses, and I think Ohio State's one of them that have made wholesale changes over the the course of the season when things have been wrong. I don't know if this deep in the season you can do that, but it's they've got a week to do it, and yeah. now less than a week, obviously. But this is, I mean, this this to me seems like the kind of game. And and the other problem, the other problem is the timing of the schedule. If you have something in your back pocket, if you're a defensive coordinator that is such a wrinkle that's going to throw off an entire team, do you hold that out until the Ohio State game where you're probably going to need it a little more than Maryland and trust your guys against Maryland, or do you break it out now and give them a chance to, to get ready for that? I don't know. I, mean, I, use it in the, well, I use it in the second half if I need to. I let the game unfold. You know that's what possible. I mean? And but yeah, no, that's there are in a bit of a dilemma because you got to win the week, but you also don't want to get annihilated the following week, and and you need to figure a way to to, to be uh, competitive. And the other thing is, look, this was always potentially a season where the it was the offense's turn to really carry the day, and the problem is with Jalen Naylor's injury, they're a little less potent. But you do changes. Yeah. The guys like Malik Carr also coming to play. You have more weapons there. They need. I think they do need to trust some of their young weapons. They. They seem slow to do that a little bit and then work to get those guys involved. This offense has got to, you know, this it's their turn. It, it, it's their time. This is November. Uh, you know, uh, Peyton Thorne has now, you know, had nine, ten, ten, ten starts. You know, it, it, it's it's kind of time, you know, it, 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 and it's and I'm not saying that you, you, if, if it doesn't go well, you say, well, that's it for Thorne. But I'm just saying you can start to expect certain things from him you ought to be able to sort of demand and hold him to a certain account. And, and it's, it's time for that offense, I think, to f- figure out a way uh, to, to put whatever points are on the board that are necessary. They put up 29 last week. That wasn't enough. They had too many three and outs early in the second half that, that put them in a, in a bind like that, that, that sort of thing that's on them now. And I know the defense technically, if you were just to look at this, you know, objectively from not knowing anything about this roster, you'd say, well, this, this, that game was largely on the defense. But you do, we do know about the roster. We do know their health. If, if we, you know, Mel Tucker talks about complementary football. Well, right now, complementary football is the offense showing up against Maryland and putting 45 points on the board. And that's probably what needs to happen. And that should be somewhat expected. Yeah. That's what I was saying about basketball and grass at this point. Just, yeah. you know, throw caution to the wind. And if you got big plays, make them. Just keep making them over and over again because that's the only way that at this point you got to outscore the opponent, um, which is, I mean, let's think about it. The, the 18 and 19 teams would have killed for 29 points and probably would have won some of those games with that. Totally. Uh, I, I think, I think, la- you know, last year's five losses, they averaged 14 points. And, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's amazing. I, I think, I think Thornton's done a great job. And I think um, outside of that really bad throw to Reed 
um, that was probably a little underthrown. If he goes to the sticks instead of the pylon, maybe it's a first down and you keep playing and try and put up another score there. Um, outside of that, I think he spread the ball to the tight ends without Naylor a lot more. You know, you mentioned Carr, he had the one catch, but but both Hayward and uh, Tyler Hunt made some big plays in that game at Purdue to keep the chains moving. And, you know, they're going to have to use those guys more. They're going to have to dip into some of those younger receivers. I mean, Montori Foster's the guy that's there, but, you know, I, I wouldn't, I had, I said this before the game out there. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see a guy like Cade McDonald, who's got a rapport with, with Thorne, maybe get in there a little more. Um, this is depending on where Naylor is. I mean, we don't know what, what Naylor's health situation is. And he had the cast two weeks ago. Um, was it a hard cast? Was it, was it a wrist? Was it a hand? Was it fingers? You know, that's, that's, that's to be seen. And you know, how quickly can you recover from that? And can you play with a, a, a club on there? We've seen guys play with a club. Not at, receivers. At times. Rare, very rarely do you yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about the college football playoff rankings before we go to hoops. Um, like I, I know that was a big deal when we were in New York on on Tuesday night, and and right after that game, Michigan State is seventh behind Michigan after beating them two straight weeks. And I think you and I disagree a little on this. Now, I, I would have kept Michigan State ahead of them. I'm just not. I'm offended by it only in the sense that I think Gary Barta isn't that bright, and uh, and so that that makes me think that he has no idea what he's actually looking at. But I can see an analytical argument for it. I just don't think they've made it. Um, to me, the argument is, and it's not, is the idea that, well, Michigan, you know, if, you're, if you win by four points at home, which is what Vegas gives you or whatever, it's not like you dominated the other team. You're supposed to win by three or four points at home. And the other team doesn't get to claim anything over you. Michigan doesn't get to claim they're better than you just because they lost by three at home. But I'm saying it allows the rest of the body of work to come more into play and based on last week, the way Michigan State played, and that, that you know, Michigan's uh, – that maybe Michigan's in a better spot right now. That wasn't the argument they made. And, and Michigan did play an Indiana team that's playing with a third-string quarterback, very different group than, than Michigan State had to face. Um, that's a, That would be the argument I would make. I don't think they made that because they're not very good at this stuff. Uh, but – I also can understand why this week you, you, they could see it that way. The thing that was dumb for me by the committee is they should have let another week play out. If Michigan goes to Penn State and wins and looks good, then you have an argument, if, even if Michigan State beats Maryland, that that's an impressive road win, that big picture, okay, we're going to splitting hairs goes to Michigan. I, I don't think it was as easy to make last week. Well, let's, let's look at a, a week earlier, right? They uh, Oregon gets put ahead of Ohio State in the rankings because of the head-to-head, correct? Road game, yep. And Oregon, okay, lost on the road to Stanford, which is three and six. Totally, bad loss. Michigan yep. State lost to a team on the road. Six and three. That's six and three and bowl eligible. I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. And Michigan goes to Indiana and plays against a team with a third-string quarterback. Yeah. So how are you how are you judging a team against the third string quarterback and saying in one week the analytics have changed that much? Yeah, I mean it Oregon, makes, no, Oregon, it makes Oregon, no sense. Oregon's win over Ohio State is a lot better than Michigan State's over Michigan because it's a road win. I mean, it, it, but and it's probably the best win in college football this year. However, I think you're right, and the, the thing that drives me nuts is if 
instead of the winged helmets in Michigan, the brand was Northwestern, was Kansas State, was anybody else. I do not think they'd be ahead. I think they're also being blinded a little bit by brand, by what they expect of the team. I, I just, I think it's poor analysis, um, you know, and, and they didn't, you know. Well, and, and still, Oregon's ahead of Ohio State. They're both eight and one, but how, how that plays out. So you're saying that Oregon, by virtue of head-to-head, is ahead of Ohio State, even though they lost to a yep. team with a losing record. Michigan State loss is to not not just not just that but michigan state's win is over a team in the top 10 in the, the rankings right and whether or not it's at home should to me shouldn't be relevant well I, I think I, I, I see the home road to me is always relevant i think home, but, like, you, you but don't if you're ro- if you lose on the road okay if you lose on the road and you lose to a team it's that good. is bowl eligible and six wins and a, and a winning record i don't understand how that drops you it, below it, it, the team you record. just beat yeah, it's not just bowl eligible. Purdue's better than bowl eligible. Bowl eligible is like something right. sneaking. But I mean, Purdue's a good football team. Yeah, no. The, well, but look at where are, we're at. Are, we're at. We're at the beginning of November too. Yeah, the, I think that's a quality. That's a quality thing to say, right? Totally. Now. the The argument, the yeah, the argument for me is there are a lot of ways to make the argument. the The Ohio State, uh, Oregon argument needs to be separate from it because I do think a road. If Michigan State, for example, had gone into Ann Arbor and won that game, to me, there's just no. They're, they're not even splitting hairs. Like. You've you've got to you've got to be on something to put them ahead of them. The fact that it happened in East Lansing, um, you know, gives you that idea that those two clubs are even. And let's look at the 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 body of work a little bit. I don't think where I disagree with the committee is. I think then when you look at the body of work, uh, you know, I, and I and I tweeted out at first glance like the idea that I wasn't. I, I thought it was okay, but like the more you think about it, when you look at the body of work. I don't think it justifies you talk about losing and Purdue is a good loss. Beating Indiana, Michigan State would have clobbered Indiana last week, given what Indiana was Indiana's uh, situation. Well, here's the other thing to think about, right? The committee thought so much of Purdue's win that they're number 19. Where's Indiana in there? Where's Stanford? You and know, here's, where, I mean, here's here's where it's a problem too for MSU. And again. The idea that a lot of people are saying, well, it'll shake out. They both got to play Ohio State. If they beat Ohio State, this all takes care of itself. You win the Big Ten, you're going to the playoff. That is all true. Uh, that that part of it does, is not – I mean, I don't think Michigan State's going to beat Ohio State. I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten. And Michigan may, and this may be moot, Michigan may have a better resume at the end. However, say they both have a similar resume. They both beat Penn State. They both – or both lose to Penn State, whatever it is. But they both have the same resume, and they both lose to Ohio State. And especially if they both beat Penn State, and this comes down to who's going to the Rose Bowl based on the college football rankings. That's where it gets. That's where, and then I'll have a real issue. I mean, to me, if 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 once it all shakes out, if Michigan beats Penn State this week, Michigan State's not going to leapfrog them. But if at the end of the season they both have a loss to Ohio State and Michigan State beats Penn State the last week, Michigan State ought to come back and ought to come back in front of them. If they don't. Then you know, I, you know, then 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 you've got a bunch of bogus, you know, whatever. And, and it, it is what I it think, is. You know, before I, I think that's where early in the week when you saw Jim Harbaugh complaining about the officiating of the Michigan State game a week and a half earlier, and answering a question uh, about it and saying the Big Ten that that's right there isn't as much about the plays as much as it is politicking to this committee. No doubt, but the it, committee- it, it, it's a, it's it's an attempt to delegitimize Michigan State's win and say, well, no, we we would have won if without right. this, right? I mean, 
you know, and so we're actually a better team than them. Right. It's just that that play happened. And, you know, they, they admitted this, right? Allegedly. You got, you so got to be- I, I, you know, that's, that's probably part of the problem with having a committee in there and in, in involved in this, you know, but I don't know what other, you know, and, and, and partly when you only have four teams, this is going to happen regardless. I thought Mike, Mike Greenberg gave a great peek behind the curtain on this. And, you know, Mike Greenberg's an ESPN employee. And he talked about this on his radio show on Wednesday when I got back from New York. And he said, this is tremendous high theater and drama. And, you know, it's all created. This is what they're creating. This is why they're doing the weekly reveal. Right. I mean, if you do, the, if you do one mid-season reveal and one at the end reveal you don't have this but this is what they're doing they're drumming up the controversy they're drumming up the, the conversation what well, and just, just as people are better at the analysis just have smarter people in the room like gary barter i think i mean i, I just say no offense but he can take all the offense he wants i've just i've seen enough of him and 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 uh, that, that's i i do think you're right there is no need for these these midweek things and i do think harbaugh's comments i don't know if they permeated them or not but i i do think uh, even if it was subconsciously, it made a difference. And, and you know, the, the thing is about, first of all, they blew a 16-point lead. Yep. So that's that's on them. The, the idea that the, the shin being down, that was a four-point swing and a four-point game. So it doesn't win the game for Michigan because Michigan State will end up punting and Michigan got a field goal anyway. So that's not like a – that's not the game right there. And then it's somebody who, who agrees that officiating can be awful, and especially college basketball. Like I'm somebody who thinks every college basketball game should have an asterisk. And if something was actually called correctly, there might be 57 different national champions in the history of the sport. Yeah. I get it. I'm with you on that. But there are bad calls in every game. And if we're going to go down that road, it's not a lot of fun to, 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 to be a fan of the sport. So, yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it's not a great situation. The, there was a case, if you wanted to make the case for Michigan, like if this was a debate class and somebody said, your job is to make the case for Michigan slightly ahead of MSU, there is a case I think you can make. I don't necessarily agree with it, but there's a, they didn't make that case. And, 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 and because they didn't make that case and because the week before they were so dismissive of Cincinnati. Now I have no pro, Cincinnati is out now for me because you had all eyes on you. You had a chance. You knew people weren't impressed by you. You had game day there. And then you still didn't impress. Like I get when you're off the radar and you don't play well, but I'm a little, little leery of that, but nonetheless, the tone and the analysis by Gary Barta and that committee to this point leads leads me not to trust them down the road, and and that's 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 problematic. Yeah, I mean it. That's that's the the era of college football playoff that we're in right now, and until it grows, you're going to just have to keep dealing with it. I mean, this is why to me, eight, twelve, or however, eight or yeah. twelve or sixteen fixes it yep. is the way to go. I mean, you got 130 FBS schools. Yep. You know, you, you do the percentages. I did it a few years back, you know, comparing the percentages to what the other NCAA championship events let in. Granted, this is outside the parameters and purview of the NCAA, but that's a whole other story about college football giving up all autonomy in some ways to TV networks and whatnot. But regardless, um, you can't sit there and, and and say that there's only four teams right now, particularly with everything that's gone on with transfers with uh, you know, immediate eligibility guys playing for six years. You can't sit there and objectively say that, that within this cluster of teams, that four teams would be the other 
five, five, six, seven teams behind them. I don't uh, know. Outside, if of, outside of Georgia, that. outside of Georgia, there's I don't know if there's a great team this year. The um, all right, let's talk some hoops. Uh, I, I, I thought it was Michigan State's loss to Kansas for them, and Izzo kind of said this when we got back. It, I thought it was disappoint a disappointing start in the sense that I think they've got a potential to be better than they looked. Uh, disappointing at the from from Tyson Walker in the debut. I thought, you know, I mean, they, they were playing. I mean, they'll be fine with Max Christie, Gabe Brown, and Joey Hauser were okay. But like, I, I thought, you know, and I thought there were positives. Marcus Bingham, you know, Julius Marble, all that Hogard. But I thought overall, just the way they looked uh, was was a little un- underwhelming. And um, they've got lots of time, but it, it just it was a game, and you just didn't. Um, I don't know. They, I thought they'd be. I thought they had a chance to be a little better than they were. Yeah, I, I think that you know it's hard to maybe gauge even where Kansas is because w- without Wilson in there, they're a different team and they went small, and that affects what Michigan State can do with with guys like Hall coming off the bench and you know the, the post players in particular when they're going a little smaller. Um, I I thought Gabe Brown early in that game. I thought was. Uh, probably a little overstimulated. Uh, I think he settled in really nicely by the end, by the second half after he took that long rest on the bench. But I, I think he was trying to do too much. So you kind of got to watch that and make sure he plays within himself. I think the same with Walker. Um, yeah, there was that early, maybe uh, second or third possession where he drove into the paint and left his feet and tried to kick the ball out and had no idea who he was throwing it to. And he threw it right to a Kansas player. Um, Bingham with the threes. I mean, they were, to me, they were okay shots from where they were at, but, you know, and I think there was another quick three like that, that led to a breakout with a long rebound the other way. So there were, there were points like that, uh, that, that you saw that, but they're in the, in the second half, they, they cut it to three, you know, that, that late run in the first half gave Kansas some breathing room. And then that Michigan state cuts it to three comes out of the break. And Agbaji goes around for the dunk and, or yeah. And then the, the steal and dunk and transition, he had the, the backdoor alley-oop out of the timeout. So, I mean, to me, those were the two plays that lost it kind of deflated Michigan state there. I thought there were more positives there. And particularly when you got so many guys that are new, you got to have a, a, a pace test, right? You got to be able to see, can this group play at that level? against that kind of competition. Um, I thought that was there. So I think, yeah. I think there's probably a little more positivity than negativity coming out of that. Um, but there's certainly weaknesses like the free throw shooting that have nothing to do with anything, but the guys at the line um, that, that needs to be corrected. And some of those egregious turnovers in the first half, I think, um, I think of the 16 turnovers, eight were steals. And I think eight were just, completely on you know on their own you know whether it be a charge whether it be a travel Patrice stepping out of bounds so I mean there are there are things that I think that are fixable um that this this next stretch of games before they go to the Bahamas I think is is the the part where they can do that they can make those fixes and and when we see them against Butler we'll we'll see next week kind of where they're at yeah, no, I like the pacing of the schedule because you're right they get they get a game to sort of get some confidence get some things going corrected have a game that means something in a regular season game um, at home before you go back to a, a, what's a veteran Butler team, or probably a bubble team, play a true road game, and, and then 
you know, you come home again, then you go to the tournament and, you know, they've got a pretty nice pacing with the schedule. I, you know, one of the things in, you know, cause I think there was a chance. And I think what people were hoping was that Tyson Walker would come out and just look really good in game one. And that, and, and, and he looked okay early and then hit the foul trouble. And then Max Christie would just have one of those, you know, Tyrese Maxey type performances, right. As a, as a freshman and, and steal the show. And, and that didn't happen. And, but again, I think those guys will be fine. I, I think that's so. It, it's sort of one of the, and it, the big thing is you brought up. I, I don't. The reason I think it's disappointing is not that there have been years where they've been sort of overmatched in that game. This is not that, and um, and I think that's why there's a little dis- disappointment level. But I, I ultimately, and, and and they've just had not had great success uh, in recent years, other than you know Duke last year. But that was kind of a weird, uh, a weird game. Uh, being on the road with no fans and all that jazz, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think they're fine. I think it'll be, um, I think Marcus Bingham's and Julius Marvel's play is stuff. You can hang your hat on. That was really important against a legitimate big man, especially Bingham against a legitimate big man. Most of Marvel's minutes were not when, um, um, uh, McDonald, right. I'm blanking on his name right now. McCormick. Um, McCormick. 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 Sorry about that. Um, McCormick was in the game, uh, you know, and he's, he's a bruiser. He's six ten, two fifty. And he's got some skill, and he, he had almost no rebounds. It was, I think, he was two for seven against Bingham. Uh, so I thought all those things because they're going to face those type of big men in the Big Ten and throughout the season. And that was an area there, where they were weak last year. There were stamina issues you could see with Bingham, sure. particularly in the second half, and you can kind of tell when he's—I don't want to say checking out, but you can tell when he's kind of—he's exhausted, just laboring and, and but isn't that getting. Where, isn't that where what we saw from Marble? Isn't that where that really is important? Because Marble was yeah, absolutely, really yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and just like the game that AJ Hogarth had, I yeah. mean, you know, you have Walker who is coming in as a 17, 18 point a game guy at his last stop. Um, I get it; it's a mid major versus a, a power five high major, uh, but you know, twelve to fifteen shouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for a junior point guard who, who has those kind of skills, and he's shown it. In, in his his games a year ago against North Carolina and some of the other big programs that he put up points against, it's not that's not it. So I thought Bill Self had a really good analysis of that that it does take some of these guys a little bit of time when they transfer in to fit into the scheme and kind of get that get that feel. He had it with I mean, Remy Martin had no points in the first half and had fifteen in the second half. So you know, I, I, but I do think Hogard's to me was. Bigger was maybe the biggest right there with Bingham and Marble because um, those are the two positions that you really need to kind of see more out of. So, and Hogard being able to show that he's more than just a capable backup, I okay. thought was was big. The question with Hogard, I still have is like to me, Hogard was great driving to the bucket and getting his own was was outstanding in transition. So that's more than hyperbole from from Izzo and, and finishing in the coast to coast stuff. That's all great. You know, I still wonder a little bit his ability to take care of them in the half court and get guys in a certain you know get the ball where they need and I think that's where Walker is really important why his development and his comfortable level is really important for for Gabe Brown for Joey Hauser those guys are going to be better when Walker is at his best on the floor and that's why they need the best of Walker but I agree with you on Hogard I think that's a, a good development they went from being struggling at that position to having a couple guys and and, and look they, this, they haven't you know, they're going to have to keep doing it. And I think um, we'll see over the next couple of games, we'll get a better idea of things. But um, overall, I think uh, a, a performance people hoped 
there would be more, but I don't think it's something that's deflating for the whole year. I saw a lot of people saying, oh, Kansas is just in another league. I didn't see that at all. They didn't look that much better than Michigan State. And and uh, now that said, they were without a dude too, and, and it, they're they're playing early on. And uh, I, I don't. There was nothing that happened to MSU that went in, that made you think that team's in trouble this year. There was just it was yeah. more that team's got work to do. Um, all it, right, it, it really it, it honestly played out the way I kind of thought it was going to play, where Kansas just kind of slowly grinded it down, and we saw some some positivity in uh, for Michigan State though, and I think Izzo. You know he he's going to be frustrated when he sees the mistakes on tape, anyways. But I think his genuine reaction coming out of it was probably a little closer to to what his gut feeling is versus maybe his coach's analytical feeling. All right, let's let's do uh do our predictions here. Uh, let let's uh, let's do let's do football and well hoops. We know they're, they're going to beat Western Michigan hoops. Western Michigan's not near the top of the Big Ten. We don't need that. Um, but football, I do think uh, uh, this is a um. They're wearing the neon uniforms, so I'm rooting for a 40-point defeat to get rid of them. <laughs> um, but uh, beyond those gross neon uniforms, uh, Chris, what is your pick for this game? Yeah, I, it's so hard to gauge because I do think that this is a tough matchup with a tough with tough circumstances on the injury front. Um, you know, not only that, we don't know what, what the status of Matt Coglin is too. Yeah, um, which you know, if it comes down to a late game situation. Ugh. I mean, Stephen Rusnak, you know, bless his heart, as they say down south. Uh, he's a, still a freshman walk-on kicker who's also playing with a cast on his right hand. So for whatever that's worth. And same with – that's the other one that we forgot about is Cal Halliday, too, playing with the cast on his hand, you know. So anyways, um, I, I I do think this ends up being a situation where the offense has to run it. Uh, and – while the the football side of me says you got to do ball control and try and keep the defense off the field, I don't feel like this offense is necessarily equipped for that. I think they're going to take that that route of right. And you got to be let's, you. Let's, yeah, right. let's let's play let's play fast break football and yeah. see what happens. So, and I think Maryland's defense might allow them to be able to do that. So I'm going to say Michigan State, and this is going to sound this is going to be a, a weird one to pick. I'm going to say Michigan State 42, Maryland 33. I'm right around there with you. I I, I see it. I think I, I I'm going 45, 31. I, I I think it's a game where and it's I would not trust. I I know I've, I'm saying they're covering the biggest spread, which is 13. I would not trust that. Um, I, I I think Maryland will put up points and. It, but to me, as long as MSU does not turn the ball over, I think they're going to be in position to put up a lot of points too, and 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 have, just have a little bit more. They're a little more seasoned offensive club, a little more complete, um, and you know, they might be to a point where they're so banged up that this is a real problem. But I still believe they probably got enough to win this game, and um, and just, I, I, but again. I, I'm not as confident. I, a couple weeks ago, I was really confident. This was, I, I almost talked over this game as if you, you had to go to Purdue and then there was Ohio state. Was just, this thing didn't exist. I definitely don't feel that way, but 45 31 uh, is what I got right now. Yeah, um, this is going to be, it's going to be an interesting week. No, absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're, I think we're going to come out of this on, on Saturday evening and Sunday morning, knowing if Michigan state, uh, we're going to know, one way or another, if Michigan State's done in, in this, uh, even if they do win, because um, right. I think that 
the Ohio State game, it, it, you know, this sets up for that game and what Ohio State does with how much they throw the ball around. I mean, if you see the Maryland can can move the ball, even if Michigan State wins like that, watch out. No doubt, no doubt. Um, I, you know, it'll be a revealing, revealing week. Uh, we'll have complete coverage of it, as we always do, at Freep.com, LSJ.com, GreenAndWhite.com. Uh, for Chris, for myself, for Phil, who's, who's absent, thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.